0: Thank you for the download, for the stream, for the subscription, however you're getting Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for getting Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Now there are a couple ways that you can help me out, and it's on the house, free of charge to you. Number one, make sure that you're subscribed to this here podcast, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's the only place to get everything that we do here. And if you're subscribed, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, you can make sure that you get every podcast every week, including the free bonus ones that we do unannounced. The other thing that you can do, which is free to you to help us out, is to leave a review over on iTunes. Click the five stars, leave a review. I'll start reading them on the air if you need me to. Whatever I got to do to make sure that you leave those reviews because they help more than you could possibly know now... Forgive me for rhyming, but it's time to start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome
1: to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts.
0: Here he is... Sam Roberts, the one and only welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. So much to do today, so much fun to be had, and we will have every last bit of it, I can assure you. Uh, As always, I appreciate the downloads and all that stuff. Uh, It's been, uh, it's been, there's been a lot going on in this here world of wrestling, and we're one week closer to Survivor Series, so we're going to cover all of that in the state of wrestling, as well as a, a little bit of Bound for Glory. I think that's worth talking about, uh, and the feedback. You know, I didn't watch Bound for Glory, but I did watch highlights of it. I read about what was happening, and I've got my criticisms about how it was presented. Because even though I didn't watch it, I'm not going to tackle this. Like I'm not going to analyze the show so much as I'm going to analyze it as a vehicle to try to get new fans to start watching the product, because at the end of the day, that's was the purpose of the show, right? Every, right now, every big show that Impact Wrestling or TNA or Global Wrestling, whatever they are, every show that they have should be designed not around grabbing new mainstream fans that are watching Walking Dead and now we want to get them to start watching Impact. Grabbing new fans, brand new fans, not new fans, new fans to Impact. Current day wrestling fans, grabbing those people, the people that are watching Raw, the people that are watching SmackDown, the people that subscribe to the WWE Network. Those are the people you're going for. There are millions of WWE fans that theoretically want some more wrestling to watch. I mean, why wouldn't they? Ring of Honor's drawing from somewhere. New Japan Pro Wrestling is drawing from somewhere. Indie promotions around the country are drawing from somewhere. Those are the people, the ones that already exist that you want. Then after after you get them then you can go ahead and worry about the rest. But in the meantime, this is what you've got to do. So we'll talk about whether or not they were successful in, uh, in, in at least creating interest in, in current-day wrestling fans. Uh, I think a lot of interest in the world of wrestling was created this week. Of course, Jericho and Omega was announced, and we covered that live on Facebook from the Not Sam Studios, which we're we in right now. You can see that whole video at Facebook or YouTube slash Not Sam. It was a bonus show that we did on Sunday, strictly for video. Uh, if you want the audio, I can always post those things, but I thought that putting it on Facebook and YouTube uh, would get would get all of you guys. Uh, if it didn't, let me know. Um, as well as the 30 for 30, the Ric Flair uh, 30 for 30 on ESPN this week. We'll talk about all that, but before we get there, Ric Flair was not the only superstar from the world of sports entertainment that had a movie about their life premiere this week. One of the uh, other superstars that that happened to was none other than the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Now Ted DiBiase uh, had a documentary come out called the price of fame. It was actually, it was the same night. It was Tuesday night, but it was on fathom events. And I tweeted about it because we didn't have a podcast on Tuesday. The Podcast comes out on Thursday. So I couldn't, get him on the podcast last week to promote it because he wasn't in town. But I was able to track down the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and over the weekend, I headed into New York City and sat down in the restaurant of a hotel and spoke uh, at some length uh, about various topics with the Million Dollar Man. Um, It was a great conversation, and I felt bad afterwards because I realized that I wasn't going to get the interview on immediately like I couldn't just turn around and get it on on the podcast because the podcast doesn't come out till Thursday so that's why I tweeted about it I don't like to edit these interviews too much because I like to give them to you as they happen so he is plugging the fact that a couple of days ago uh you could see the event at Fathom Events the movie at Fathom Events I hope a lot of you went to see this movie uh for those of you that didn't see it or for those of you that did see it make sure you pay attention to when it's coming out on digital release I'm sure that it will be available digitally, whether it's on iTunes or Vudu or Netflix or whatever. And uh, give this thing a chance because The Million Dollar Man is not only one of the most iconic characters in what I believe is the golden age of WWF, but he's also got one of the most interesting stories. This is a guy who went down the same road that a lot of guys went down. This is a guy who went down that road of like, "Uh uh-oh, he's in trouble. But he was able to get his life in check. He was able to turn his life around. Uh, And not a lot of guys are able to do that. You know, he was on the same path that a lot of guys who met terrible early endings were on. And Ted DiBiase turned it around and he did it, very similar story to Shawn Michaels. He did it through Christ. And while some of us may not, I don't want to say have the same faith because that's kind of negative, but while we may not be the born-again Christians that Ted DiBiase and Shawn Michaels are, it's still interesting nonetheless to hear stories of these guys who in any other circumstance would be in a lot of trouble. And beyond that, you know, it's not just that story. It's the story of this guy that we kind of, a lot of us grew up idolizing. Um, and I had the chance to talk to this guy, the the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. We talked about uh, uh, main eventing with Hulk Hogan. We talked about the character and how it related to Vince McMahon himself. Of course— we talked about the big man, Virgil, and how the million dollar man unleashed him onto the world. Um, we talked about a lot. And I want to play that for you. Here it is. This week's interview on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> and now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. So it's uh it's film premiere week for the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. This is a uh, this is a big time for you. What's the haps, man?
1: Uh, you know what uh, Sam, I'll be honest with you It's it's, it's nobody ever envisioned this happening uh, but it has um, uh, people like keep goes well how, how did it happen you know the do, a, a documentary I mean the truth is I've been telling this story for 17 years right. I mean I, I, I wrote a book about it like in, I can't I think it was in 94 uh, everybody's got a price but uh, the director Pete Fierro, uh, like six or seven years ago, Pete approached me. I was in New York, and as a favor to a friend, he he said he contacted me. He said I'm doing this as a favor for a friend, a, a shoot interview, uh, meaning obviously we're going to talk real life and not wrestling sure. storylines. And so, anytime you start talking real life with me, you're going to start hearing about what God has done in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm a minister. Have been for 17 years. Have a ministry at a nonprofit organization. So, in Pete's own words, he said, "At the time, I am the somewhat backslidden son of a minister. His dad's a minister." And uh, he said, "Ted's story resonated with him, and so that started a turnaround in his own life. And then, anytime I would come to the New York area, you know, he would come out to see me." Uh, you know hear me speak so he's heard the story told two or three different times and uh, Pete's normal job is he does uh, wedding photography and video so he documents weddings sure but he had never you know tackled a project like a a feature documentary and I don't know that he was thinking about it when he started this so but he, he approached me and he said Ted he says he said I would really love to tell your story on film and I said, "Wow! I said I've never really thought about that, but back then I was thinking, you know, okay, maybe we could do this, and you know, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we'll get it, you know, whatever it is, and we can, you know, we can sell it on the tables, and we can, you know, yeah, a fathom event. I, I never thought about that.
0: I mean, especially because in the wrestling business, like, there's always a guy." who's yeah. got an idea for a project. Like, if you could count the number of <laughs> wrestling documentaries, <laughs> yeah, right? That right. People, people have been like, oh, no, I'm working on this thing, and it's going to be, and none right. of it ever comes out. None yes. of it comes to fruition. I, I know,
1: I, I know, and it's like, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't looking for a whole lot. It was just like, okay, uh, you know, I, I've got a DVD with my story on it. I've got a book with my story on right. it. Why not a video, too? <laughs> uh, and so uh, we plan, and, and so Pete's heard me talk about going to, or living in Wilcox, Arizona, this little bitty town that I grew up in after my dad died, after I finished high school there. I was there when I was very young, too. So he said, I want to see Wilcox. I want to see that cemetery that you were talking about that you would go to at night and, and, and you know, to visit your dad's grave and and, and pray. And so, uh, so we go out to Arizona, and my, Ted Jr. had never been out there. Uh, and actually, other than my wife, none of the other boys have actually ever seen Wilcox. So Ted Jr. goes along with and, and And if you talk to Ted, he would tell you, I wasn't so sure about Pete. <laughs> he, says, <laughs> he says, I was thinking maybe, you know, this guy's trying to, you know, pull one on my dad, right?
0: Well, that's, I mean, that's right. Isn't that the classic wrestling story? Some wedding photographer comes up to you yeah, and he yeah. goes, hey, I want to make a movie about right. you. Oh, Yo, okay. like
1: Right, right. You know. And so, uh, you know, so, so Ted and Pete, you know, get to have breakfast together and, you know, uh, Teddy figures out that Pete's very sincere, you know, and, and here's his story. And, and so, and then and Ted goes, you know what, Daddy?" says, how about we put this twist on the story? We we tell the story from my perspective. Hmm. It's your story, but I'm telling it. Because my son knows that I do a lot of, I do a lot of, I speak to a lot of men and I talk about the importance of, of being a good dad anyway. So, uh, we, this project goes for three years and all this stuff goes down and and so you know, here we are uh, three years later and uh, it's completed and so again Teddy had been in a movie uh, and, and so he, he met a lot of people knew a lot of people and he said dad I've sent the documentary to these guys in Nashville who do the marketing for a lot of the big faith based movies God's Not Dead, God's Not Dead 2 Fireproof, Blindside and he said uh they sent me a message and they said we'll get back to you after christmas the next day they got back to him and they said this is great wow We want to help you guys get this out and i went what really and so i'm like i'm blown away by that and so now it's like so you know they start looking for some investors and what have you and and uh uh, that that whole thing starts to move, and all of a sudden, I, you know, like Fathom has agreed to put your movie out. And I said, "You're serious? <laughs> <laughs> 650 theaters across the United States." And um, I, I never, I, I it's like, oh my gosh! I mean, I you know, I'm a Christian, and I, and I you know, and I, and I I call it a God thing. I mean, it's, you know, the whole thing was done. You know, uh, the reason I tell my story is I want to help people. And, uh, you know, I've been answering that question all day, why? And I said, you know, here's, here's, even if you're not a person of faith, I would think or hope that people can watch this and come away understanding that, you know, security and peace is, is not found in money and wealth and and things, or even fame. All those things will tantalize you for a while, but at the end of the day, they're not, they're not going to give you the security. They're not going to give you any lasting peace. Uh... And my realization of that came when at the top of my game, when I was more famous than I was ever going to be, I call home the day after WrestleMania 8, and my wife confronts me with adultery. And I said, I don't want to talk about it on the phone. I'll be on the next plane home. She said, no, you won't. You don't live here anymore.
0: So I don't even want to have the conversation. At
1: that time. Right. And I was like, and and she hung up. I mean, and, and, and that quickly, I mean, I, it's like, you know, you're, my eyes are open. I'm like, you fool, you have probably lost the most precious thing in your life for the sole purpose of filling this void when you're on the road and your stupid ego, not only my wife, but as I kept thinking, you know, what's going to my kids, their, their, their stability, their peace of mind and their future. It was the ugliest day of my life. I mean, the realizing, I said, how could I be that selfish? How how could I be that selfish? Uh, But I also determined that it wasn't gonna happen again. The other thing that immediately came to mind was my father. What in the world would my dad say to me today? He'd have been so disappointed. And I had lived to to make him proud.
0: so so it was never drugs and booze were not an issue for you. It was it was it was women. Well,
1: I did I did I did my share of drinking and, and, and the and the drug and you know but uh, yeah I mean I was the whole ball of wax. Yeah. Uh, you know never never to addiction, you know never to that point like oh my gosh you know you need to go need to go to rehab. Uh, but as a guy on the road you know I did I did my share. Yeah. So it was. But it just sounds kind like
0: of, part of the addiction might have been in the adultery. Like that's an addiction too, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess I guess, it, I guess it is too. So, but th- that was what the the, the discovery of the adultery is what brought the whole thing sure. to light. Now,
0: and, it was part of it because you know Rick Flair also has a documentary that's coming out about him from thirty for thirty, and he and he's talked about it many times. He talks about how the nature boy character became his life when you are the million dollar man, and it's a hugely larger-than-life character, and everything is getting invested in this thing. Uh-huh. Do you feel, at that time, a pressure to live your life as the million-dollar man? No, I never
1: I never felt that pressure. I mean, it was like, uh, you know, because of, of what was done for me in an effort to market the character, oh my gosh, you know, like, so I'm, I'm flowing everywhere first class, which wasn't done for everybody, limousine service on a daily basis and all those things. I, it did go to my head. Right. It went to my head, and, and I, what I was on was just like, man, look at me now. I mean, you know, you know, like a year ago, I was, you know, I was driving my car. All the shots now, you know, action figures, video games. you right. know I am a rock star.
0: Right. And and, and you and, and you, it takes you a second before you realize, like, the reason that you have the first class and the limos and stuff is this character that was invented. It's and, not like they were like, exactly. let's just give this man the rock star treatment.
1: Exactly, and and so you know, I never. My wife said when I would come home off the road she said you know like when she 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 could see me walking you know to uh through the airport and she said it's like you know and I guess I was guarded about who I was and she said I could she said about 15 minutes like we'd be on the way home she goes I could I I would watch your your shoulders drop and you would relax and and you were Ted again yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, I, I you know, and, I, and you, I. You weren't even conscious of it. I wasn't even conscious of it. Wow. And uh, so, you know, but the the thought, you know, today I look back at that. I mean, I, I can tell you this: after after we went through the crisis, and after my wife, God bless her, after she said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stay," I I believe that you sincerely are sorry, and I want to believe it. And she said, but I'm not going to make you a promise. I can't keep. She goes, I, I don't know if I'm strong enough to do this. You know, she said, but I serve a God of restoration, not divorce. And, and I want to give my children the best opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she's basically saying, I'm not doing this for you, pal, because you don't deserve it. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, but because she was willing to, I took that and I ran with it. And, uh, because uh, one of the things she said was, she said, in spite of what you've done to me, you've always been a wonderful father. And so these boys don't know about it. They don't, they don't know anything about this until they're old enough to understand it. And I said, okay. And, and so that journey to restoration began immediately. And I, I, can, I can tell you that I could remember sitting, uh, I can't remember what city we were in, but I'm in the Marriott Hotel and I'm, I'm sitting in the dining room Kind of like we are right now. We're in a dining room. But I could look across the lobby into the bar. And I could see the boys. And I remember sitting there and looking across that that room and going, what was I thinking? (laughs) You know, I was like, what in the world was I thinking? Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, one of the interviews that's in the film that I've seen since, because, you know, a lot of of my contemporaries are interviewed. uh, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michael said it well, he says, he was talking to my son, Ted, he says, he, says, he said, Ted, he says, he says, he says your dad and I, we, we don't even identify with that, you know, like, it's almost like, who was that person? Right. We don't identify with it anymore uh, because of the change in our life. So, uh, you know, today, today uh, I can honestly tell you that my wife and I are closer than we've ever been. I mean, uh, Melanie's absolutely my best friend. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I love the new technology because tonight I'm going to get on my iPhone and I'm not just going to call my wife. I'm going to be able face to look time at her and face and Facetime, and and we this was is what we do. We start each day, whether we're together or, or I'm, I'm on the road somewhere. Uh, we pray together in the morning. We pray together in the, in the evening most of the time, and uh, that that's that's the difference today. And so, uh, again, back to what what do I want? For people to come away from this with it's a few things number one for 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 young 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 men and women who are maybe struggling you know to know that you know no matter where you are if you're willing like my dad said if you're willing to work hard if you're willing to put in the time and the effort you can be whatever you want Mm -hmm. you know but because you're you know uh you know at the end of the day, you know, you're you're only you know you're only going to uh, value what you earn in life. Uh, that's and i I found that to be true. Uh, so, but even coming out of, of of Wilcox, Arizona, yeah, three traffic lights, uh-huh. you know, this little bitty high school, I get a scholarship to play college football, and then you know so that you know yeah, Dad was right, and so I go into wrestling, and I apply the same thing. And dad was right. You know, and and, and then this, even though I rose to the height and even as successful as I was, I still, I still made some terrible mistakes along the way and I fell. And I would say this, even if you fall, get back up. Yeah. Because you can. Get back up and keep going. And you know what? If you stumble again, get back up. Keep getting back up. And, uh, uh, you know, today, they, uh, people will say, well, are you really a million-dollar man? Are you really a millionaire, multimillionaire? I said, no, I'm not. I said, but I'll tell you what I do have. I have the love and respect of my wife and my children and the unbelievable pleasure and joy of watching my grandchildren grow up.
0: There's a, there's a couple things that I want to pick up on based on that. Firstly, um, so you call your wife or your wife, you talk to your wife after WrestleMania 8, and that's when you have the adultery conversation. I would imagine that you would consider the peak of the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase to be right around the time when you're headlining with Hulk Hogan, right? So in my head, I wonder if you go, okay, I gotta work on myself, I gotta change myself, I gotta fix myself. One year after that conversation, you're headlining WrestleMania with Hulk Hogan. When you realize what's going on here, is there, how quick is the transition to getting healthy and is there this thing like, oh, no, I don't I don't know if I want to go back into that line stand. I, I know what this is. I know what this right. ego leads okay. to.
1: So you're right. I mean, so, yeah, like the next year, WrestleMania 9, you know, we're in Las Vegas headlining WrestleMania. Number one, my wife was with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's, that's at, yeah, I guess that's big. At, at,
1: at WrestleMania. But here's where I, you know, here you know, it's like... Uh, you know, by the, you know, that was like in, so that was in March or April. But by, this is at the time when I started going, you know what? I'm still in dangerous territory here. And uh, so by Wrestle, by SummerSlam, 93. Right. Uh, I had gone to Vince and I gave him my notice. I said, you know, I said, Vince, I, I, I've got to go for a while
0: so that had less to do with physical issues and more to do with yeah personal personality issues
1: yeah i mean i mean i i left because kind of like if you're gonna quit drinking get out of the bar yeah you know and so i needed i needed to separate myself from that environment until i could grow stronger in, in 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 the walk that i was now walking i went back to work for japan you know, even even before Japan was like going on a retreat, you know, I just went and did my job, went back to the hotel and that's it. That was it. Yep. And and uh, uh, but, you know, two tours into Japan, I heard the two discs, make, or actually they manifested themselves. It was like degenerative. They were there waiting to happen. And now I'm looking at I'm being told by a doctor that I should really retire. Uh, he said. He basically he put it this way. He says you could probably go on. He says the chances and the odds are in your favor that it won't happen. He says, but once you've done this surgery, if you get dropped on your head just right, you know you could be left paralyzed. And uh, I was about to turn 40. All this had gone on in my family life, and I had intentionally said my family's going to come before my job. And. To make all that happen I said it's, it's, I'm almost 40 I mean you know I, I also Had promised myself That I would Unlike my dad Get out of the business Before it killed me Yeah And And so uh, I stopped physically wrestling Then And uh, You know Later I went back When Vince asked me to come And uh, do the commentary I think it was for uh, The Royal Rumble uh, In January or February And uh, He liked that And uh I had that conversation with him. I said, "Look, I said, you know, if you'd like me to come back in a managing role or a commentator, I'm, I'd be I'd be more than willing to do that." Well, and at that time, managers they were at TV; they weren't on the road. They, right. they weren't required to be on the road, and so I could go do that, and I could be in the I could I could be at TV three days uh, every three weeks, and I would be in the studio one day a week. But most of the time, I'm at home and that was perfect and so that's what happened and uh, let's fast forward to when I when I left and went to WCW you know since this time Vince and I have had that conversation but you know he decided to put me back on the road with a couple of guys Uh, Sid Vicious uh, and then a guy named Steve Austin right you know and it was kind of like to kind of you know help them along and the rub you know Cause I was Just older. so the
0: people who go to these house shows, even it's not, yeah. talk, but they still see. Right. I know to boo that guy, so right. I'm going to boo the guy he's with. Right. Yeah. It's kind of
1: you know like the the rub to help elevate him, and uh, of course nobody foresaw you know Steve rising to the heights that he did, <laughs> uh, but again for me, being on the road was the danger zone. Right. And so I said, look, Vince is a businessman, you know he's not concerned with my personal life he's gonna put me where he where he thinks I can best serve his company and so I just I, I put in my letter and, uh, and I went to WCW because when I went to WCW I was doing what I could do I was doing the commentary and I was showing up once a week for Nitro
0: even as a, even as a manager in your when you were the you know the million dollar corporation head guy you were still one of the top guys on the show when you go to WCW, that's when, you know, you join the NWO, but the NWO is just so much star power. That wasn't your organization. You were just a part. At that point in your life, are you happy to be just a part, or do you miss the fact that it's not the Ted DiBiase show when no, you're...
1: By, yeah, by, by that time, you know, and by that time, I'll be honest with you, I don't care, because the other thing is I had started going out, and I had started speaking. I see. And... That, that became like a snowball rolling downhill. The more I went, the more invitations I was getting. And so the, you know, before wrestling, it consumed me and it was, you know, it was like, uh, you know, I, it, it was, you know, that was all of me. But now, now it wasn't. Now this, this, you know, seeing other people's lives changed and knowing that, you know, I had in some, some way been an instrument to help a person get their life changed. And I said, I've wrestled in front of 80,000 people, that's a pretty big thrill. But nothing came close to, you know, most of the speaking uh, engagements I did then were for, with teenagers. So I was seeing a lot of teenagers uh, get their lives changed by benefiting from my story.
0: So a lot of guys uh, have trouble letting go, moving on to the next thing, especially at the heights that you were at. Do you think that making this transition and the fact that you actually saved your life... By stepping off the pedestal, has made it easier for you to, or made it easier for you to transition out of that top heel Hulk Hogan era spotlight and not sit there, not home now, kind of woefully missing the fact that there's another top guy.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, you know, I didn't have any trouble because people ask me that all the time. Yeah. D- don't you miss it? I mean, man, you were one, of, you were the guy, you know, and and you know, it's like. I had a 19-year active career, and overall, I was in the industry as a full-time participant for 25 years. That's long enough, and you know, and when I transitioned out of this into the ministry, the ministry began to consume me in the in the same way, and so. You know, and and I and I kind of feel for the guys. because there's a lot of guys that have a real hard time, yeah, making that transition. Yeah, absolutely. But I didn't. I didn't. I mean, people ask me all the time, "Don't you? Don't you miss it? Don't you ever just wish you could get back in there again?" And I go, "I, I really don't." And I said, "Now may, maybe if I see a really good match, or I see a young guy, and I see a lot of talent, and go, man, you know." It would be nice to if I could get in there and have a match with him and, and help him a little bit, something like that. But I other than, but wanting to be the guy again, right. no problem.
0: Now, uh, is there is there a specific guy that you've seen that you're like, I'd love to be a, at least a part of that guy's <laughs> yeah. career? Oh, or there, I... there
1: was one for sure, my son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: so so you know when you get to when you become the million dollar man. Before you're the million dollar man, you're Ted DiBiase, and you're a you're just a really good wrestler. You know, you're just you're 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 a great wrestler. You get to WWF, and at the time, the style that the WWF was doing was very different than the style that other people were doing. The kind of over-the-top, cartoony characters yeah. were not what people like you, for instance, were used to portraying. Not what wrestlers were used to portraying. Right. When you get there and you see these, you know, kind of ridiculous, over-the-top but unforgettable vignettes that you're doing, and you're you're wearing a cape, and you're and you're getting the million-dollar belt, and you have to, you know, dye and feather your hair, and you've got this tearaway tuxedo. Are you g- worried at all when that starts? Are people going to forget that I'm a wrestler, not a cartoon character? <laughs>
1: You know, I don't know. I don't know if I ever thought of it that way. I mean, but I mean, I was raised in the old school. I was part of I mean, when, And obviously, you know, like when the first WrestleMania came along, and I saw some of this stuff, you know, I was, I was, I was just, I fell in line with all the old school guys. Vince is killing the business, you yeah. know. You know, and in reality, I began to watch and realize. And I'll be honest with you. you know, like when I picked up the newspaper and saw. WWF sits indoor world attendance record, WrestleMania three. I went, wow, if I'm going to stay in this business, yeah, that's where I have to be. It
0: becomes real difficult to fight success, doesn't it? Absolutely. And,
1: and, uh, then the more I thought about it, I mean, you know, Vince comes out and just goes public and says, Hey, we're sports entertainment. So what? We're good, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and, and it was like, the more I thought about it, I said, you know what, uh, you know, we, we like wrestlers talk about the marks. And I said, you know what, we, we've been the biggest marks of all. Right. You know, and so I thought in reality it was a stroke of genius what he did. And, you know, and I, I did have. I, you know, I, you know I, I had been in line for the NWA world title and I, you know, I had done real well in Japan. So I had you know i had a great reputation within the inner circles of our of our business and i you know I, you know there were a lot of people that asked that question why would you such a great technical wrestler go there and i told them i said if i want to stay in wrestling and survive this is where it's going because if you if you think it's not then you, you're blind right it, and just, yeah. also
0: because everybody's got a price right <laughs> <laughs> have you heard by the Absolutely. way a, a bruce prichard story about uh, Vince McMahon explaining that character. That oh yeah. Everybody's got a price thing when he's on the airplane. Have you ever, no. So he says that, that that Vince McMahon is explaining the million dollar man character to Bruce Pritchard on an airplane. And Bruce is like, "Yeah, but I don't really understand. What is it? everybody's got a price? I don't get it." And and Vince goes, "Well, watch this." And this is apparently a true story. He turns around to the guy behind him who's smoking because you're allowed to smoke on planes at that point. Yeah. And he goes, "Sir, the smoking's really bothering me." would you mind putting out your cigarette? And the guy goes, no, I'd really rather not. You know, not a hostile thing, but just, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And then Vince goes, well, if I give you $50, will you put the cigarette out? And this guy goes, no, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying my cigarette. And they go on and on until he gets to whatever it was, 500 bucks or whatever. If I give you $500 right now, will you put out your cigarette? And the guy goes, fine, yeah, I'll put the cigarette out. Vince gives him the cash. And then Vince looks at Bruce. And he goes everybody's got a price know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I never heard that story I can't
1: believe that I'm just hearing that for the very first time yeah I
0: I, wow. I, I I love that story so a lot of people are like well maybe maybe the Million dollar man was a lot of a lot of Vince McMahon in there. Oh
1: well I mean when uh, when when I went to the meeting the first meeting Vince uh, was called away to a phone call <laughs> and so I'm sitting there with Pat Patterson and Pat looked at me and he says Ted, Because, you know, Vince says, I've got this tremendous idea. It's never been done before. And he said, you're perfect. You know, you interview so well. You're a great wrestler. You can do this. But you're going to have to trust me. Because I can't tell you what it is unless you agree and sign a contract. Because you're
0: giving away the character. Yeah, you're
1: giving away the character. And so, you know, so Pat looks at me and says, Ted, here's all you need to know. If Vince were going to be a character in his own show, this is who he would be. And then Bruce Pritchard, who I've known a long time, Bruce and I were good friends. Matter of fact, when Bruce left in Houston, I was getting ready to go to Japan. And Bruce says, well, I'm going up to New York to interview for a job. And I said, hey, I was up there in 79. They know who I am. I said, and you know, I I talked to Patterson when they initially went to Atlanta and that thing didn't work. Mm -hmm. Because I remember Pat came in and had a meeting with everybody. and, And he said, I don't want anybody to worry. He said, nobody's losing your job. Everybody's got a job. You know, this is a new thing that's going to happen. I got Pat off to the side then, and I said, look, Pat, there's a difference between having a job and having a position. And I said, all the positions are filled, so for now I'm going to go back to Mid-South. smart. And uh, so anyway, so I I told Bruce, I said, hey, while you're up there, throw my name out and see if anybody bites. Well, I I get a message. I come in my, you know, the hotel, and there's this urgent message, call Bruce Pritchard. And he said, well Ted, two things have happened while you're in Japan. Number one, Bill Watts sold the territory to Jimmy Crockett. So when you go back there, you'll now be working for Crockett. <laughs> and he says, number two, do not sign a contract with Jimmy Crockett until you have an opportunity to talk to Vince McMahon. He wants you and he wants you bad. And so, you know, there, there, there you go.
0: That's gotta be a great, uh, oh, that's a great oh, yeah. phone call to yeah. get. Um, so when you find out that this character is Vince McMahon's baby, And it's kind of, you're going right to pretty quick, in short order, working with Hogan. Um, Do you feel, is that a lot of pressure? Or at that point in your career, you're like, this is what I've been waiting for. I'm ready for this. Give it all to
1: me. You know, I was, you know, I wasn't cocky or arrogant about it, but I thought, you know, uh, and I guess I was a a little bit, okay, how am I going to, I mean, I know what I can do in the ring. Yeah. But it was like, helping me become that character mm-hmm. and uh it didn't take very long you know it's like uh, with just a little bit of direction and i just i just fell right into it and uh i got very comfortable but, but i mean the the the, the, the genius event sometimes i mean the laugh right okay i'm cutting an interview and that laugh is just a, a real exaggeration of the way i really laugh so I do an interview, and I do the boisterous laugh for whatever reason in the interview. Vince happens to be walking by, sticks his head in the door, and he goes, that's the million-dollar man. And he says, I want to hear that laugh every time you cut an interview. <laughs> <So> <laughs> From that now, moment on. Yeah, yeah. so now people, I tell people, I go, I have a 19-year wrestling career. I'm in the Hall of Fame, and what am I best remembered for?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's one of those great things. Like, I would love to know that Vince loved that thing because it's like, if you're cutting this promo that you're not terribly confident in, you know in the back of your mind, as long as I wrap it up with that laugh, I'm good. No problem. Uh, So how did you feel when... uh, Talking about, like, uh, repenting and all that, do you feel like you have any repenting to do for unleashing uh, Virgil onto the world?
1: Well, actually, I can't claim Virgil because... I didn't even know Virgil until they introduced me to him in the in the office. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure who found Virgil <laughs> yeah. but they hired Virgil, you know, I mean he, he had the look and, you know, he he had he had the guns. Uh, you know, and I guess that's about all I can say about,
0: <laughs> yeah. about that. No, I've had to I've had to do a couple of things with Virgil and I cannot imagine uh going up and down the roads with,
1: with Virgil. Yeah, I mean uh
0: have you asked him? You know, you had-
1: here's the thing about you know, like the guy. You know, he was he wasn't a bad guy. I mean, no. he was he was on time. He showed up. He did not drink. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't do drugs. Uh, I've been told that he likes to gamble, and uh, uh, but other than that, you know, you know, but I did realize that, you know not the smartest book on the shelf.
0: No. no really isn't. Not at all, you know. No. If he if he had and
1: and what we could have done if he if he, if Virgil had some really really good or just decent wrestling skills. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have had a heck of a run there. But that wasn't but uh, in that, the cards. Either. That that wasn't you, in the cards. Was no. there ever
0: like you plan out something cuz there are a lot of great moments that actually involve Virgil. A lot of the stuff that you're doing bringing the kids out out of the crowd and right. and screwing up their days and stuff that involves yeah. Virgil. Were there any Sort of golden moments that that Virgil flubbed on. So you'd have to be like Virg, like we all had this idea, but.
1: I, well, I, I well I, no, I can't really think of anything like that. I mean, he, again, he always did what he was told, and of course, because we knew his limitations, he was never asked to do that much. Smart. Now, I did have to have a WrestleMania match at WrestleMania Seven right. with Virgil. But I also had Roddy Piper at ringside coaching him from the outside <laughs> to help us get through that. Yeah, and it... the true story. Match is over. I walk back through the curtain, and one of the boys, I can't remember who it was, they looked at me and they said, you know, DiBiase, you really can work with a broom. You just screwed <laughs> <sprugged> it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is that like when you go like, okay, you know, we did the, we did the thing with, uh, with, with, with Hogan and Piper and Flair, and, blah, 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 and it's like, okay, now the next the next big good guy that the million dollar man is going to put over is Virgil. That's the next. Are you going like, you got to be kidding me. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: <laughs> uh, but I know I mean, I knew what we did with Virgil would be short lived anyway. And, and again, I have no, I have no animosity towards Virgil. I mean, you know, he just, he just, you know, and you know, it, it would be great if I could still make appearances with him, but he's done so many just dumb (laughs) things that make, it's like, if if, if now, if I allow myself to be seen with him, it makes me look like an idiot.
0: Well, you also, you don't have to make appearances with him because he always brings that flag with him that says you're making appearances with him. So it doesn't matter.
1: Or or sets up shop in Grand Central Station. He
0: does do that. I have a buddy who uh, you did do an appearance with Virgil once. And you know, uh, my buddy was, uh, he was more there to see you than Virgil, which yes. I guess sometimes people, but Virgil doesn't like to see a dollar go to waste, a dollar that could be his. Um, so he has this one of those replica million dollar belts. It's got the felt on the back, and he's asking you to sign. He wants Ted DiBiase's signature on the million dollar belt, and he is just, he to this day is furious yeah. about this because you sign the thing, and then he looks up to talk to you, and the minute his eyes are off the belt. Virgil grabs it and he signs it. <laughs> and so now he's got this belt with Virgil's signature on it and he's got to pay for the signature. <laughs> yeah. Oh Cause, yeah. Cuz strong army if he has to. Oh, I know.
1: I know. <laughs> and that's yeah, it's just it's just sad. I mean, I don't know. So
0: so so, so what about when okay, your son's going to start wrestling. Okay, cool. You know, I can I can teach him when you find out and we're sticking Virgil with him. Are you going, guys? This is this. I don't know what kind of karma yeah, this, I'm making. Up
1: this, for. this, this. Number one, I said, you know, my son goes to college, gets a degree in business administration, then tells me he wants to be a wrestler. I almost had a cow but <laughs> but uh, you know, you know, and I said, why have I just? Why am I now just hearing you want to wrestle? Well, all my life I was told I wouldn't be a wrestler. You know, not because I didn't love the wrestling business, but just you know, with the all that comes along with it, uh, and uh, you know, I mean. You know, you know, son. You know my story. You know, you know what I've been through. But I also realized that if I if I didn't let him go find out for himself, that it might drive a wedge in my relationship with him. And some things you just have to find out on your own. And uh, and he did. So this is this is funny. You know, when I found that they were they were going to, and he he told me that they're going to put Virgil with me. It's very brief, very very short. But they just think you know. I think the idea was they were good, they were trying to do it now, whereby he keeps saying his "I'm not my dad," but he keeps acting like me, right? And they put the million
0: dollar title and they give him Virgil. Yeah. And
1: so and so the first night Virgil's on TV with him, you know, I'm watching the, I'm watching the live show, and uh, it's over. Uh, well, I live in the Central Time Zone, so it's over at 10 o'clock my time. At 10:05, my phone rings. And his dead dead, dead. daddy said, "Dad, how did you put up with this idiot
0: for as long as you did? He's driving me crazy." I just started laughing. I did. I did a radio thing with him once that I, uh, because I've done I've done a bunch of stuff with him on the air and stuff. But I flew him in for a live show thing that I was doing, and I had. I mean, I thought it might get complicated, but when I tell you, I was woken up that morning. With Virgil phone calls, and it did not stop all day. First of all, you got to send him a money order. You got to send it to the right guy. He only takes flights this way. I mean, just, just, just never ending. When, uh, so when your son decides to leave WWE, and I mean, even right as while up until his last day there, people are talking about him like, whoa, that's one to watch. That's one to watch. Like yeah. that's, yeah. that was how he was described all the time when he decides to leave. I think it surprised a lot of people. Were you like, ah, oh, you know, I'd really, uh, I would have liked to have seen you get a title, get get something, or are you going? That's great because you did what I wanted to do, which was escape the business no. before oh, it grabs you.
1: I was proud of him. I mean, yeah. he called me, uh, and you know, before, just before, and he said, "Dad, I just wanted you to be aware uh, of something." And he said, "But before I tell you," first thing you got to promise me is you won't you won't say those words and I said what words might that be <laughs> I told you so that one <laughs> and, and so uh he told me he said my contract's about up and they want me to resign and he said uh, I'm not going to go back and I said really and he said uh yeah he says because basically you're right he said you know it is better than when you were there in terms of you know, like four day work week three days off uh, more accountability with the drug testing policy and all of that stuff. And he said, but it's still if you're a star and I, and I, and I told him that I said, in my opinion, the only way to be in that business is to be a star. Otherwise you're going to make a good living, but then when you're what 30 mm-hmm. now at 30 you're, you're, you're old. <laughs> yeah and, and then what? You know you got to save your money. And I said, but in doing that, being a star, and he, he saw you know like John Cena. John Cena's a great guy, and John Cena's made a lot of money. But you know John Cena's also been married and divorced one time. Yeah. You know it cost him a marriage. And I said you know, it's it's gonna, you know you're the fl- if you're end up the flag bearer for the company you're gonna be you're gonna be wa- working a lot more than four days a week. And yeah. uh, and I said because nobody nobody works harder in that company than Vince himself. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just going to be expected of you. And he, he got that. He understood that, but that's what he also understood. He says, if I do that, you know, it's not fair to my wife and it's not fair to my child. And I said, I won't say those words. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you figured it out. And I, you know, I totally support you, you know? And, uh, and so he, he, you know, he, he bowed out gracefully and, uh, with uh, I mean I mean if he wanted to go back he probably could but you know he's he's doing really well now. He had a little bit of a I think an identity crisis for a little while mm-hmm. following that like okay this didn't work what what am I going to do now? Uh, but he's doing really well.
0: Yeah, I uh, you know I saw you at a show recently cuz you know you still make appearances, you still do signings and yeah. and do all kinds of stuff. Um, and you you put a guy it was Pat Buck show for WrestlePro. Pro. Uh, he was in Jersey. And you put a guy in the million-dollar dream, but then I was like, you know, just the fact that seeing you do the million-dollar dream, that's one thing. But then you locked the leg, and you did the Russian leg sweep, and you took the full bump. And I think of me. I talked to the guys in the back. They were all blown away by it. Like, everybody was sitting there going, wait a minute. He's still got one in him. But he took the full— because everybody was under this impression that well I guess you know yeah you, you you couldn't you couldn't do it anymore but the fact that you took the full bump <laughs> then you got out of the ring and I saw you jumped off the apron no problem yeah and we're going well, like where, where's I, that
1: tuxedo I didn't really jump off the
0: apron well you did better than, than most people yeah but I mean
1: because uh, you know like with two artificial knees I can't I can't be you know if I jump off the apron I you know I might be going to the hospital to get them fixed <laughs>
0: but have you like when you do that. When you take a bump like that, is there no part of you that goes like, "I could I do a little more of that"? I still got, I still got a little bit in me. There's still a little uh, gas in the tank.
1: Uh, well, yeah, you, yeah, maybe. <laughs>
0: yeah, a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Right? It's, it's kind of like it's uh, fun.
1: You know, everybody goes. Yeah, have you ever considered, you know, like one, one more match? You know, I said, well, not really, but everybody's got a price. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, I think everybody. Uh, needs to make sure that they go see this uh, movie. I was going to say event. It is an event. It's Fathom Events. It's going to be, it's one of those things, uh, Fathom Events does uh, concerts and all kinds of things like that. It's those uh, uh, one night, two night only theater events. But this means that it's not just a limited New right. York, L.A. release. This is yeah. this is a Nation big wide. theater thing. And I mean, whether it's to support the message, whether it's to support you yourself, Ted DiBiase, whether it's just to support the wrestling business, because a lot of people listening just want to support right. pro wrestling, right. make sure you go out and you see this thing in a theater. You'll be able to get it on digital afterwards, I'm sure, but make sure you get to a theater, you buy your popcorn, you sit down in a theater and watch this thing on a, on the big screen. I think it's going to be amazing. Um, and I appreciate the time, man.
1: Uh, I appreciate you uh, having me and I appreciate you helping us get the word out there. And uh, for fans that are listening, uh, you, know, you can go to Thepriceoffame.com, uh, or you can go to fathomevents.com, I believe, and I think you enter your zip code, and it'll it'll pull up the uh, the theaters that are in your in your area. Uh, but uh, it's it's Tuesday, November the seventh, at 7 p.m. in whatever time zone you're in. So uh, I hope you turn out. And and here's what you can do: mm-hmm. you can you can you can do what I'm doing, and you can put your you can put you can devo the the Ric Flair thirty thirty because yeah. it's, it's on later that night. Oh, is it? Or you nah, could just you're... go to the movie and run home and see Rick.
0: Yeah. Well, it's on TV. Record it. You're fine. Yeah, exactly. You'll see it when you get home. There you go. Cool, man. Well, thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks, Sam. Here is Sam Roberts. Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, everybody. How great was that? I do... It makes me... I feel a little bad for Virgil. You know, I mean, he does it to himself. There's not that much you can get upset about. But... It's not the nicest thing in the world. It's, 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 it's not the nicest thing in the world, but still. He does do it to himself. Like, I don't know, I don't know who you can get mad at for it. I guess you could get mad at me because I, I made the Lonely Virgil website. That would make some people mad. But I don't think you should because I'm just documenting. I'm a documentarian at the end of the day. I'm the last professional broadcaster. I'm just here to tell the stories that I see. Um, but a great chat with the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. That'll go up on the YouTube channel. The Big cast interview from last week, uh, which we got an update on when he'll be returning to the ring and what he's been doing, that's up on the YouTube channel now. So uh, all that stuff going on, it's, it's, it's very, very exciting. It's very, very, very good stuff. Um, and you can check it out at youtube.com slash notsam. Same place you can check out the Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, uh, special video that we did on Sunday. We went live from the Not Sam studio on Facebook on Sunday to talk about the fact that at Wrestle Kingdom 12 this January for New Japan Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome of all places, Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho will go one-on-one. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lenses to look at this through. There's a lot of angles to look at it from. It's, it's a big event in the world of pro wrestling. It's a big to-do Um I think it's good news for the uh, the business of wrestling. It's good news for wrestlers, um, and and I think it's an exciting match. It's good. It's good for fans. That's who it's best for, for fans. Uh, some people, I, I guess, uh, the Wrestling Observer reported that Chris Jericho was in, he kind of got the ball rolling on this whole thing, and was inspired by the build to Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, and he wanted to create that kind of super fight build for pro wrestling which I can believe that sounds like something Chris Jericho would want to do and it's a smart thing to do to look at that and how well it was done and to capitalize on it he should do that I I would too if I had the ability um, I don't but the difference is that I think that this match will deliver on the level of a, of a match like we all knew that Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor would never deliver on being one of the great boxing fights of all time. It wasn't a bad fight. I think it turned out better than most people thought it would. But I don't think anybody really believed that it was going to be this amazing fight that displayed the sweet science of boxing because Conor McGregor had never been in a professional boxing match before. I think the difference between those two is that Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho are both going to be fighting to have the match of their life are both going to be fighting to have career-defining moments. Kenny Omega, because that's what he does right now, Kenny Omega is supposed to be having the best matches in the industry, right? That's what, that's what he's based on. His argument that he doesn't need to be in WWE, that New Japan, uh, there's no reason to leave New Japan, is that he's the best. And so he's now got an opponent that symbolizes everything that is WWE to prove that to. He's now got an opponent that people are going to be saying, okay, if you're the best, then you should be able to beat this guy who was champion of the WWE, right? And Chris Jericho at the same time, he is sitting there going, look, I've got to prove myself. Chris Jericho has to prove why he's the one to get this opportunity. Chris Jericho has to prove why he's the one to call himself the alpha of pro wrestling and why at his age and this stage in his career he has this Kenny Omega match and I think he is going to prove that. I'm excited about the fact that he has to prove that because he's going to work harder than anybody else would to prove that. Chris Jericho is not unlike Shawn Michaels. I don't think uh, Shawn Michaels, one of the reasons, and he talked about it on this podcast a couple months back, Shawn wouldn't come back to wrestle because he's not coming back for a payday. If he wrestles another match, it's got to make sense to the Shawn Michaels character, and it's got to be on the level that Shawn Michaels was competing at. And Chris Jericho, I think at this point in his life, is the same way. This match does make sense with the Chris Jericho character. The Chris Jericho character would go to New Japan to prove that he's the best in the world. And I think he's going to show people that he's as good now as he ever was, maybe better. And he was showing that in the last run in WWE. That's what every that's what the word on the street about Jericho was, that he's as good now as he's ever been, if not better. And I think that his mission going into Tokyo in January is that he can hang. And I, I think that he's going to pull it off. I think he's going to prove to people that he absolutely can hang. And uh, I think he's going to leave a lot of people uh, jaws agape I think people are going to be surprised when they see it, but it's going to be a pleasant surprise. I'm very, very excited and looking forward to it. And if you want the full breakdown on that match, you can go over to the YouTube channel and uh, watch that entire video for yourself. Because we have so much to cover in the state of wrestling. Um, We can't possibly do a full analysis of that the way we did over the weekend. Before we get into it, don't forget, you want to support uh, yours truly, you want to support Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Roberts. If you can't remember that, it's easy. not slash merch. Sam.com slash merch. You get your Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt, you get your Not Sam t-shirt, you get whatever you need. Whatever you need, there's Sam Roberts Action Figure t-shirt, the Sam Roberts 8-Bit t-shirt, the Sam Roberts As a Child Figure It Out t-shirt. Whatever you need, it's all going to be there over at notsam.com slash merch. Get a t-shirt. If I see you wearing one in public, you will get a high five. If you're not wearing one, it'll be a slap in the forehead. Make your choice. What sounds more pleasant to you? Make your choice and live with it. Uh, In the meantime, you can live with the fact that the State of Wrestling starts right now. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Here we are at State of Wrestling Time, only here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Oh my gosh, what a week. What a week it's been. I don't even really know where to start. We could talk a little bit about the Ric Flair 30 for 30 documentary that was on ESPN. Um, I thought it was just terrific. I talked about it, I think, a week ago. Um, I was at the premiere here in New York City that uh, ESPN held. Triple H was there. Mick Foley was there. Charlotte was there. And one of the things that I talked about when I was going over the premiere was that I didn't want to spoil anything, but that there were uh, moments that were incredible, specifically people involved in the movie, the talking heads. And really what I was referring to was The Undertaker. To have The Undertaker in that 30 for 30 was one of the coolest things you could do. The Undertaker, out of character, just talking about how much the man Ric Flair was. And I think that that was the point of of the 30 for 30, was to celebrate Ric Flair as the man, was to explain why there is such reverence when talking about Ric Flair. And and it did it did get into his, his personal life. It got into the fact that Ric Flair as a man, as a person, Richard Flair, or however you pronounce his actual name, is actually uh, very insecure, um, is very self-conscious, does is, is not have good self-esteem. But the nature boy is everything that not only he, but all of us, want to be. It's the guy who is totally unashamed, who lives every day like a party, uh and then lives it, actually lives it. And we talked about that a little bit last week about living your character and I hope that after seeing that movie on ESPN that a lot of you guys are more familiar with that concept now. That that you kind of if you didn't get what I was saying then, you get what I'm saying now because I just thought it I thought it was phenomenal and I think because it didn't just relate to wrestling fans, as you watched that, you understood why anybody that watches anything or is involved in pop culture in any way would admire Ric Flair and would just think that he's cool. It just explained why Ric Flair's cool and the fact that it didn't come necessarily easy to him. The fact that he has had struggles. But Rick, which maybe isn't the worst thing in the world, chooses not to focus on the struggles. Rick chooses instead to just celebrate life every day. And it's tough. Because not great things happen sometimes But you you, you manage um, So I just I, I thought it was terrific And if you haven't seen it Make sure that you go out and see it uh, I want to talk about War Games NXT uh, It was officially announced on television Of course we knew it was coming Because news broke after those tapings But the rules for the War Games match Were announced So we'll talk about that Because it's a little different Than uh, War Games has been historically But before we get there the news of the week, starting with Monday, right? Because the news of the week was Jericho versus Omega. But the biggest news after that is that, what I don't think a lot of people expected this. I certainly didn't. AJ Styles is the WWE champion after I think something like a five-month reign that Jinder Mahal had as champion. A completely unexpected reign. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody quite understood it. People were trying to make uh, heads or tails of it. Um, and it was certainly scrutinized. There was a lot of criticism for it. And not all of it unfounded. Um, but AJ Styles, a guy who anybody that has an unkind thing, anything that has a, anyone that has a serious criticism of AJ Styles as a performer uh, is just looking to criticize people. Because I still stand by the fact that AJ Styles is the best wrestler in the WWE right now. And he is the guy that should have that WWE championship. And some people were actually looking forward to Jinder Mahal versus Brock Lesnar. I think that the AJ Styles-Brock Lesnar match versus the Jinder Mahal-Brock Lesnar match has two different sets of appeal. The reason, I believe that people were pumped for the Jinder Mahal-Brock Lesnar match, and I think there are far more people pumped for the AJ Styles-Brock Lesnar match. But the reason that there were some that were pumped for this Jinder-Brock Lesnar match is because you didn't know what was going to happen. Because we've spent months and months making it so that Jinder doesn't just get crushed. And, you know, it's it's with the help of the of the Jinder heads, the Mahal brothers... Some people know him as the Singh brothers, but the Genderheads have helped him throughout the entire time. But it's like we know going in, based on what's happened with Jinder Mahal thus far, you can't just have Brock Lesnar destroy him. You can't just have Brock Lesnar crush him. But all logic would tell you that that's what should happen. So what would happen? What would happen if you had a match between Jinder Mahal and Brock Lesnar? Um... It would appear that we're not going to see that. We still could, if Jinder says that he wants a rematch next week on SmackDown, which is the go home SmackDown before Survivor Series, and then he beats AJ Styles back for the WWE Championship, he could still go to Survivor Series and and face Brock Lesnar. But I don't think that it wouldn't it would be a real tease. It would be a real tease for WWE fans. A lot of fans would be disappointed if that happened. And I kind of feel like a lot came together at the last minute this week for Survivor Series. Maybe it was the plan all along. But there were all these rumors, uh, for instance, of a couple of rumors that did not come true. Everybody was reporting this did not come true. That Roman Reigns was going to be on the Survivor Series team for Raw that John Cena, I don't know if you heard this, the rumor was that John Cena was going to be the referee for the Jinder Mahal-Brock Lesnar match, which I guess is a way to just add some star power into that match, which I don't disagree with. Um, And then you had your tag team title match, and then you had the So the landscape has completely changed within 48 hours or so because the match that was supposed to be AJ Styles versus Rusev became Randy Orton versus Rusev on SmackDown. I would imagine that AJ Styles was at some point scheduled to be on the Survivor Series team for SmackDown. And stuff got juggled around and things changed because Rusev ended up losing to Randy Orton and we still left SmackDown not knowing who the fifth man was going to be on the SmackDown Survivor Series team. We now know and we'll get there. At the same time, in kind of an unexpected loss, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose lose the Tag Team Championships to the bar, Sheamus and Cesaro. And when that first time, you go, why is that? But then when the New Day come out and interfere in their match, it's pretty clear to me that we're going to see a three-on-three New Day versus Shield match at Survivor Series, which I think is great. I think that the New Day versus The Shield adds an element that wasn't quite there with the champion versus champion matches. Because save for the Brock Lesnar-AJ Styles match, you're now dealing with every champion versus champion match at Survivor Series is a bad guy versus another bad guy. You've got The Miz, who nobody likes, versus Baron Corbin, who nobody likes. And by the way, nobody likes those two people in the best possible ways. They're arguably the two most effective bad guys in the company but the two the two biggest baddies miz and baron corbin intercontinental title us title no titles on the line then you got natalia versus alexa bliss natalia is a bad guy woman wrestler on smackdown alexa bliss is the most bad guy woman wrestler on raw so you got the two bad guy women competing against each other in a smackdown versus raw women's championship match then, the tag title match is The Bar versus The Usos. The Bar and The Usos both being two top bad guy tag teams. So now, every, every title versus title match is bad guy versus bad guy. And none, except for the, obviously, the main event, which, until we saw SmackDown this week, the main event was Jinder Mahal versus Brock Lesnar, which is, again, bad guy versus bad guy. So you were left with all bad guy versus bad guy, and none of the titles were on the line. So that's a key thing here, because it wasn't really announced when the card was laid out. But as of today, as of this recording, no championships are on the line at Survivor Series, which does take something. It doesn't necessarily take something away from those matches, but it doesn't add to them. You know, Does that make sense? meaning that if the titles were on the line, the matches would become a bigger deal because you'd then be looking at unifications of championships. Which, So in a, in a big picture, I'm against the unifications of the titles because I think the brand should say stay separate, and if the champions switch in between brands, it just makes everything confusing. I think that's one of the things that was wrong about the first time they did the draft. That said, if you're going to do champion versus champion matches it's tough to get super excited about them when there's no titles on the line. So I think that the Shield versus the New Day does does help. First of all, Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles helps a mile, but we'll talk about that. Having the Shield versus the New Day, if that's what they're going to do, helps a lot. Um, it's weird because, personally, I was really looking forward to the Usos versus Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. I thought that that, that had the potential to steal the show and be match of the night, and while I think The Bar is going to have a great match with The Usos, I don't think it'll be as good as, uh, as Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose with The Usos would have been. So storyline, so what you're doing is the three-on-three match between The Shield and The New Day is a bigger match than the two-on-two Usos versus Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. The Shield versus The New Day is bigger than the tag title match was originally. That said, the Usos versus the Bar is not as good of a match as Seth and Dean versus the Usos. So you've sacrificed the champion versus champion match for the six-man tag, which, if that's what you're doing, they haven't announced that. That's just what I'm I'm assuming. That's what I'm theorizing. Which, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that's a good or a bad thing. I'm not saying that it's not worth sacrificing that tag match, to get this bigger match over here. And also, you know, you're adding a match now. It's not like you've taken anything away. You, you, didn't, you, only, you changed one match. It's not like the bar had another spot on the show. Um, But it was a surprise to people, I think, that Roman Reigns was not in that Survivor Series match. So I think The Shield versus The New Day is going to add a lot to the show. I think that... The announcement of who's SmackDown's fifth man adds a lot to the show because we now know, based on the WWE's Instagram, that's where I saw it for the first time, Shane McMahon is captaining the SmackDown team of Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, Randy Orton, and John Cena, which is an awesome team. If you really break it down, that you talk about a team of guys that you never thought you would see together. You've got New Japan's Shinsuke Nakamura. You've got Shane McMahon from the Attitude Era. You've got Randy Orton from the Ruthless Aggression Era. You've got Bobby Roode from TNA, and you've got the biggest star in wrestling, John Cena. And that's the team. That's an amazing team, you know. And it and and based on where everybody is on the card right now. That might be the only thing that stops anybody from realizing how awesome this is. But I don't think you can argue. Historically speaking, big picture wise, that team is an amazing team. So I'm super excited about seeing that. Um, I also uh, think that AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar is one of the biggest matches that you can have in WWE right now just for 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 notoriety. It, you know, something struck me. I was talking to a buddy at work who's not the biggest fan of WWE but keeps up. And he asked me who's fighting at Survivor Series. And I realized that if I said I was like, "Well, Brock Lesnar versus Jinder Mahal," he would say, "Who's Jinder Mahal?" Not because, you know, of anything Jinder's done, but just because he's not watching SmackDown every single week. But because of who because AJ Styles is such a superstar, I can now say, well, Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles, and he'll go, oh, that's cool. You know, and he doesn't watch. You're not going to have that reaction from people when you say uh, uh, Jinder Mahal. You're just not going to, which which is why I think that this is such a step in the right direction. Like, you've made it—you have made Survivor Series on paper immensely more newsworthy with an AJ Styles-Brock Lesnar match than with a Jinder Mahal-Brock Lesnar match. Look, I think that Brock Lesnar will probably beat AJ Styles, which is a shame. I would love to see AJ beat Brock Lesnar, especially because since the title's not on the line. Like, here's the beauty of this. If Brock Lesnar beats AJ Styles, it's just a thing that happened, that we all kind of were like, yeah, of course that happened. He's Brock Lesnar. That's what he's going to do. You know, and it is what it is. But, but... Follow me here on this. If AJ Styles beats Brock Lesnar, then you've got this scenario where AJ did not take the title off Brock, right? So Brock still goes forward as the universal champion because the title's not on on the line. And now, and, and so you can still tell the same story that you're going to. If what you're leading to is Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, which a lot of people assume that that's what you're going to, you can still tell that story. Because the Universal title is still on Brock Lesnar. You don't have to revisit the Brock Lesnar-AJ Styles thing until way down the line. Because as we know, Survivor Series is the one time of the year when Raw and SmackDown go head-to-head. One time of the year. Brock Lesnar is a Raw guy. AJ Styles is a SmackDown guy. So even if Brock Lesnar loses to AJ Styles, that is something that we can ignore in the immediate And get to it a little later. And we will get to it a little later. That will happen. But you've now built in. A thing where you can have your Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar story. You can do whatever you're going to do with Brock Lesnar for the rest of the year. Whatever you were planning on doing with Brock Lesnar. Still do it. But. Whenever that's done. You've now built this, this story. Where AJ Styles. At any point. Whether it's a week after Survivor Series. Whether it's a year after Survivor Series. AJ Styles is now on this teeny tiny short list of people in the modern era. In 2017, in the last three or four years, the teeny tiny list of people who have defeated Brock Lesnar and that have that over him. Right now, zero people. Brock Lesnar has avenged all of his losses. That was the story with Goldberg. Goldberg beat him twice. Well, three times, I guess, because you count WrestleMania 20. And Brock Lesnar was never able to uh, get back that WrestleMania 20 loss until this year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 33 in Orlando. So if you you can give AJ Styles that victory, it's going to make AJ Styles seem like an even bigger star, which is immensely valuable. It's going to not really take much away from Brock Lesnar because you can still have him beat the snot out of everybody and he never has to lose the title. And you've now built this story with AJ and Brock Lesnar for the future. So I think that the, the, the move, the only move that makes sense to me, if I were in the position to fight, to have AJ Styles beat Brock Lesnar, I would fight hard because it makes a lot of sense. And there is so much upside and so little downside to that happening. You know, do I have the most faith in the world that AJ Styles is going to win the match? Not incredibly, but that's still in my head. That's what I envision. Okay, and then you can have Raw win the Survivor Series elimination match. You know, that's kind of the way I see this. If Brock wins, SmackDown wins the elimination match. If AJ wins, Raw wins the elimination match. And it's not the worst idea. You know, you want to make you want to make Braun Strowman look strong? What if you have Braun Strowman pin John Cena? at Survivor Series. You it's not a one-on-one match, so it's not this thing that destroys John Cena's legacy. But what if Braun Strowman gets a pin on John Cena? What if Braun Strowman eliminates John Cena? Well, now you've managed without taking away the rub that you gave to Roman Reigns at uh SummerSlam or whenever the, not SummerSlam No Mercy. Uh you've now you've now got the ability to give that rub as well to Braun Strowman. And I think it'll work with Braun Strowman. You know, I mean, I, I think he's he's as popular now as he's ever been. And I think it'd be really, really cool. I think he's the guy to give that to. The, that that Raw versus SmackDown elimination match is going to be great because not only do you have the potential of saying, like, okay, we could see Braun Strowman pin John Cena. We could, in, in 2017, not only could we revisit the classic face-to-face at King of the Ring between Shane McMahon and Kurt Angle, that brutal match. Just brutality on brutality on brutality. Not only can we revisit that, but we can also revisit John Cena and Kurt Angle. John Cena and Kurt Angle are going to be on opposing sides. Okay, we can we can go back to a time when John Cena was just a wee babe, starting out. You know that's exciting. That's really exciting, and I'm I'm I think that there's a lot of potential in this uh in this Survivor Series match. I think the Miz did a good job on raw of of hyping up Survivor Series. You know, because so much of of what's gone down has been not necessarily about Survivor Series. You know, not about the title matches anyway. Um and the Miz and Braun Strowman, I mean the Miz and Baron Corbin have certainly hyped up their match better than any of the other uh title matches. Have uh, Alexa Bliss and Natty have done a pretty good job have done a pretty good job. But Baron Corbin and The Miz, with their use of social media, which we were talking about on the show last week, thank you, has been really, really good. Uh, Really, really good. So let's talk about, and and my God, if we're talking about who's been awesome in the build-up to Survivor Series this year, can we just take a second to say Alicia Fox is the MVP of Raw? Who, and Alicia Fox gets ignored a lot. Because she's not part of the women's revolution, right? She's part of the divas generation. She's she's the one remaining holdout from that divas generation. But as far as the women go, and as far as most of the men go, who is more entertaining than Alicia Fox with that captain's hat on doing the, the, the mouth box? This is your captain, Asuka. You are on the team. Like It's uh, brilliant. Brilliant. And Alicia Fox is doing it perfectly. I mean, all praise be to Alicia Fox for what she's been doing on Raw the last two weeks. More people should be talking about her. Some people are. More people should. Because she's just terrific right now. She's just great to watch. Amazing. Amazing. Props to Alicia Fox because it's been great. It's been really, really good. So let's talk about what else is going on that weekend in Houston. A week from Saturday... Is NXT Takeover War Games, which I for one am super super excited about. It's the classic war games format, which you can see, you know, all they're all on the network and stuff. But um, it's the two rings inside the cage with the roof on it. Now, classic war games is not Hell in a Cell style cage. It is a traditional style cage that hugs the ring. Right? It's on the ring apron. It doesn't go to the floor, and you can't go outside the ring but there is a roof on it. It's like the classic steel cage with a classic wire steel cage with the roof on it. And the idea is that uh you go in uh it, it used to be 5 on 5 traditionally and two guys would start and then there would be a, a lottery where every or or flip of the coin and every 5 minutes I believe another guy would enter the ring. From, from each team, and they'd go back and forth. But what you'd end up with is, whoever won the coin toss, every other time a guy enters the ring, well, now you've got to deal with the numbers advantage. Every other time a guy enters the ring, you've now got two on one, three on two, four on three. You follow me here. So the coin toss means everything. The rules for this year's uh, War Games match, and traditionally... You could only win a WarGames match by submission. That's how I remember it anyway. You could only win when one member of the team submits, and then the whole team loses, which is why they would do things like uh, put somebody like Paul, like the manager, J.J. Dillon or Paul Ellering, would be in the match. So that that way, if they wanted to go that that route, they could have the manager submit. And then none of the wrestlers were really hurt, but it was still this great spectacle. This year... Uh they are doing it uh, I, I I believe it starts as a triple threat, one on one on one, and then each faction comes in. A buzzer goes off and the rest of sanity get to go in. Another buzzer goes off and the authors of pain get to go in and help Bobby uh 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 I can't believe I'm uh, um Roderick Strong. And then the other buzzer goes off and uh uh Bobby Fish and Adam Cole get to go in and join Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly, however they do it. I believe that's how they're doing it. Three buzzers are going to go off. And so there will still be a numbers advantage. But three buzzers go off, and then each time a buzzer goes off, the two remaining members of the team go in. So it's not going to be, what would there be, six guys outside? So it's not going to be six buzzers going off. It'll be three. It also said on the WWE website that you could win the match via, via pinfall or submission. So this war games match is being fought under standard triple threat rules, except it's Texas Tornado triple threat rules, obviously, because you can't be on the apron of the ring. There's no tags; everybody's in the ring at once. But it's standard triple threat rules, meaning pin first pinfall or submission wins the match. There's no going outside. Like I don't like this. Actually, is set up to not have people go to the outside, traditionally speaking. Um, So you know, I'm, I'm. I'm kind of surprised that there was a change to the rules. I, I didn't. I, I figured they would just go classic. If they're going to use the concept, go all the way. Um, I'd be interested in hearing why they decide. i am not against it— why they decided to go the more modern route and add the pinfall in and make it a triple threat instead of a five-on-five five and do the thing where the full team goes in instead of one at a time. You know, I'd be interested in hearing all that. I'm sure there's a strategy behind it. Um, and I think, you know, if there's anything that we can count on for TakeOver— I think it'll be a, a well-orchestrated match, meaning I think the time that this was all done with 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 reason, and that the timing is going to be really, really good on it. Uh, I'm really, really excited, and, and and the amount of talent that's going to be in those two rings. You've got Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Adam Cole versus Roderick Strong and the Authors of Pain versus the three members of Sanity. I mean, it's it's going to be. Awesome to see. I'm interested, you know, because WWE, I think, has always valued uh, production value more than WCW or the NWA ever did. So I'm interested to see how WWE handles having two rings for the whole show. Are they going to change it via lighting? Are they going to just have the camera focused over here? They're going to be two hard cams so that they cut the ring out? I don't know. But the, the, the show goes on with two rings next to each other. Um, and, and it's always cool to see that cause it's different, but production wise, at some point it becomes awkward cause there's an extra ring there. We also found out now it, it says it's not happening at the pay-per-view, but Pete Dunn is defending the UK championship against Johnny Gargano. Now, if anybody's watching NXT, one can assume that Johnny Gargano is not going to beat Dunn Because Johnny Gargano doesn't win matches right now. At this point in his career, Johnny Gargano is not on television to win matches. Johnny Gargano is on television to lose matches. That said, I like the idea of the UK Championship being defended outside of that box. You know, the European Championship, the British Bulldog was the first European Championship. It was won in Europe. But beyond that, you could take it outside of Europe. You could defend it against anyone, anywhere. It was just the championship of UK like there's a championship of the world. The United States championship gets defended anywhere by anyone. Whoever wins it, wins it. So I don't have a problem with the UK championship being defended outside of the region. I think it's kind of cool. I think it broadens uh, broadens the, the horizon of it. Based on 205 Live too, you have to wonder if uh, we're going to see some kind of maybe the, the UK division versus the 205 division at Survivor Series. I don't know. They haven't announced anything like that. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked to see it happening. Let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, Bound for Glory, right? TNA's Bound for Glory, the pay-per-view that was on on Sunday. TNA's one of the few pay-per-views that TNA does every year. And, man, I have to tell you, they're trying and they're trying and I respect the hustle. But it's little things, man. They're saying they're not global force wrestling, and to somebody who doesn't follow TNA religiously, right? Which there aren't that many people who follow religiously. You gotta, if you're TNA right now, you have to be focused on finding the casual fans. Just the wrestling fans that are like, oh, there's a pay-per-view on tonight, I'll check that out. And making it so that it's not confusing. Why is the, You T- and and I guess it just has to do with the name confusion. But TNA's, aprons all said GWN on it the global wrestling network is still the network the online network that that impact is selling as opposed to the impact wrestling network what would you call it the impact wrestling network like impact 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 why do you think in WWE there are no wrestlers there are only superstars why do you think in WWE there is no wrestling there is only WWE or sports entertainment it's because WWE, 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 hammer it home, brand familiarity, make it so that it is a two-year-old can know what they're watching. Because right now I'm 34 and I still am not 100% sure what the name of the company is. If it's gonna, and I don't care what it is, it can be Impact, it can be Global, it can be TNA. It, I don't care at this point. But there's got to be a name. Now, I was happy with uh, the talent choices that were made. I think that uh, having uh, Sammy Callahan come in is a big, big plus. You know, Sammy Callahan deserves more credit than he gets. I think Sammy, I am just a big Sammy Callahan fan. I've been a big Sammy Callahan fan for a long time. You can go back on these podcasts and you can hear me advocating for him when he was in NXT. And uh, I think Linnendall or whoever was on the podcast, just, he didn't do it for her. Um, And that's fine you know, that character was a little weird and to have a guy playing like a late 90s computer hacker in 2015 or whatever it was is is odd. But regardless, Sammy Callahan is an amazing talent and I'm happy to see him in TNA, but it's like my problem was that the big stories coming out of that are Sammy Callahan and Jimmy Jacobs. To me, those are the takeaways from the pay-per-view. For whatever reason, Impact is convinced that Alberto Del Rio is the horse to get on. That let's make this the Alberto Del Rio show. The takeaway here is that Alberto Del Rio is on Impact. When in reality, we all know that based on the personal issues that Del Rio has had, WWE would not hire Alberto Del Rio in 2017. Will he never be in WWE again? You can't say that for sure. I honestly, at this point, wouldn't be surprised if he's never in WWE again. You can't say that for sure. But for the time being, WWE would never want anything to do with that guy. So the idea that he's in TNA is not a big get for TNA. It's almost, or impact. It's almost like, well, yeah, where else is he going to go? Who else is going to, is going to take that on, right? Does that make sense? So you want to feel like when you're watching a superstar making an impact, no pun intended, whether it's a return or a surprise appearance or a debut, whatever it is, you want to feel like the company, especially if it's a small company like impact, that's trying to prove themselves to you, which for some reason, after all these years, they still have to, you want to feel like impact has pulled something off. You want to feel like, well, if that guy's here, here is cool that's what ring of honor does when bully ray showed up when 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 the broken hardy showed up when you know whoever when the young bucks show up from new japan it makes it feel when the bullet clubs in ring of honor ring of honor seems cool like the bullet club could wrestle wherever they want and they've chosen ring of honor That's not the feeling you get from Alberto Del Rio. And I'm not saying that means don't hire Alberto Alberto Del Rio. I'm saying that means don't try to make him the headline. Hey, everybody, Alberto Del Rio was on our pay-per-view. Really? You let him on your pay-per-view? That's the response that fans have for Del Rio right now. And justifiably so. It is uncomfortable when you've got a guy who was accused of domestic violence to watch him then be physically threatening to a defenseless commentator like Jeremy Borash, it is uncomfortable. There is something viscerally uncomfortable about that. Because you go, wait, this isn't this isn't a show. That's that guy in real life. Regardless of guilty, innocent, whatever, fine. But you're gonna acknowledge you're acknowledging the story. You're acknowledging the news story when he comes to the ring and cuts a promo. It's acknowledged. So if you're gonna acknowledge that news story, you're gonna put it in my head as a viewer. And then to watch him push around Jeremy Borash, you're like he's he's pushing him around like a like he beats his spouse or something. Like this is uncomfortable to watch. So I thought that was a big misfire as far as TNA goes. Uh I think signing getting Jimmy Jacobs to show up is a huge plus. That's awesome. Like that's a get. That's like, "Oh, that's that controversial guy. He got fired from WWE." And I saw him on Ring of Honor and he hangs out with the Bullet Club. That guy in 2017 is cool. That's a cool guy, Jimmy Jacobs. I go on social media and I see people, a couple people tweeted that Jimmy Jacobs was on the pay-per-view, but there's no Instagram post from Impact. There's no tweet from Impact. There's no headline, hey, Jimmy Jacobs just showed up in Canada. What the heck is this guy doing here? It's not a news story. Look at the social media. Look at, look at Impact's social media while the pay-per-view is on. Jimmy Jacobs is not a story. Josh Matthews, he acknowledged it. He made a comment. He did his job. He goes, oh, I'm going to try to get a selfie as Jimmy Jacobs is walking away. Exactly. That's exactly what J- J- Josh Matthews should be doing. Acknowledge the fact that this is a controversial figure in pro wrestling, and he's here in TNA to mix things up. But apparently, it's a non-story because it wasn't reported anywhere on TNA's social media. When a company isn't using their social media, I don't know. I don't know how you can even talk about whether the wrestlers themselves are going to do it. So, you know, I thought that there were there were some great moments on the show. There were some great matches. Yeah, I, I, Eli Drake versus Johnny Mundo or whoever, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact, uh, John Morrison versus Eli Drake. Great main event. Great title match. Schma's ending is like what what are we doing this for? What the heck are we doing this for, you know? So it's it it kind of it just leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth, especially with a guy that you're not sure that you like. Even if you support Del Rio, you're not sure if you do, right? Well, he hasn't been found guilty, so I think I support him, but I'm not 100%. I'm not 100% sure, and that's just not a vibe that you want in TNA. All right. There's your state of wrestling this week. I appreciate all of you for joining me, uh, as I always do. You're great, great people. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Get yourself a t-shirt and we'll see you next week right here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening. listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.